Uh, they must have been really be bored one. today. Yeah. <laughs> no, they heard you have a great guest. I it's think a, it's okay. a slow okay. news day. It's a yeah. slow yeah. news day on Sunday. In aimlessly, I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> what is this? Exactly. The window shopping quiz, right? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this morning are Troy Sandlin, John Christian, and our illustrious guest, Mike Amer. How are you fellows doing? Good, good, good. How's Mike? Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I, like I've said, I, I always enjoy listening to your podcast, but the problem is I don't get to yell at Zach uh, while I'm listening to the podcast, but now I have that chance. So. Well, well, you can you, still you yell get, at me, I just yeah. won't hear it. Yeah, you get well, to yell at me, it just yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then let us well, be an uh, angry chorus together. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a mess. That's okay, though. Um, we're going to do a regular, a regular episode today, um, which is kind of few and far between for us of late. Um, We've been kind of going through Tasha's and chatting about different segments of that book. And um, we're nearly through, but we've gotten some requests in for uh, a recap on Frostmaiden. And we really like that idea. Um, But John and I, as as those of you who listen to the podcast would know, John and I... uh, took Frostmaiden and we put it into a different setting. Uh, both of us did that. And so if we were going to do a recap, we really wanted someone on here who was doing it by the book. Uh, and we really wanted Mike on here anyway, so it kind of worked out. And and we're excited that, that it's uh, going to happen today. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, so yeah, first we'll and foremost, we're going to do our dessert course. This is our new segment where some of us talk about different things that we've uh, seen pop up on our radar. I think we've got four topics to talk about today. We're going to save one of them till the very end, Troy, one of yours, because uh, I think that may lead into a little bit of discussion. Yeah, that uh, may, but Troy, may end up being the entire episode. That may be one the of, entire episode. Yeah, I say 40 fair. minutes to an hour, but yeah, Troy always comes with 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 stuff to... Shaq <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you. Um, all right, Troy, talk to us, though, about uh, your Kickstarter project. Uh, Kickstarter project is the folio number 26, um, The Virgin Mind, or uh, The Rat Dungeon, the part one of The Virgin Mind. Um, the folio is kind of like a, a publication that has been coming out for a, a OSR-inspired uh, dungeons for for fifth edition and whatnot. Um, th- this just kind of came across my my lap the other day, and it looks it looks fun. It, it they're they're kind of throwing it back old school for fifth edition. Um, the the art inside looks fantastic, and it's the whole classic, you know, low level dungeon, going in, doing your thing, and uh, continuing on. Like we all used to do. Well, those of the, us that are old enough to remember. Um, but they got uh, some new rules in there, it seems, for something like along the lines of competing adventuring groups. 
and and things like that. You know, they're trying to get into the dungeon too, and and you're trying to you're trying to get in there and get as much fat loots as you can before everybody else, you know, gets them. And I thought that in and of itself was an interesting. So is that concept. multiple groups? Is that multiple groups as different sets of PCs, or is it just NPC? Adventurers yeah, that it looks it looks more like it's NPC adventurers and and the DM rolls on different charts and whatnot to to see if oh someone has already been in this room or or, or whatnot at least that's kind of what I'm guessing from from the little bit that uh, I've read through this but uh, it looks like it's very very well done the maps are pretty pretty sweet you've got the old school top down. Um, mm-hmm. Just line drawings, and then you've also got uh, isometric 3D, full color, with uh, you know lighting effects and things like that drawn up. So d- different ways to 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 show it and play it looks like. Um, and yeah, isn't the folio like trying to put together a mega dungeon piece by piece? Isn't that kind of the impetus of it? I think that's what this uh, is the beginning of. Um, gotcha. Yeah, part one of the Virgin Mine, um, the Rat Dungeon. Gotcha. Interesting. And I think this is the beginning of their... Uh, it's a six-phase mega dungeon, or mega campaign, based around first-level characters in a completely revolutionary setting. Cool. Awesome. Um, I'm interested enough that I might, uh, I might try and dig into it and uh, snag a few back issues and check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you do, you'll have to let us know. Come back yeah, definitely. and give us a rundown of the early stuff. Um, that would be interesting. All right. Uh, John, you have uh, something on Amazon that you found. I do. Well, it's um, I've got a friend of mine who has a 24-year-old, I think. He'll, this person shall remain nameless. A 24-year-old Crown Royal bag that has warehoused all of their dice uh, for over two and a half, almost two and a half de- decades of, uh, of gaming. It is the it's like their lucky bag of dice, and it the felt on it that really thin material anyway began to wear out until one day he's on his way uh, out the door, goes down the stairs uh, and uh, jostles that bag, and it's hanging from his backpack, and the whole thing just erupts. Yeah, exactly, just like that. Troy's got a he's got a green one actually. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, as a cocktail bar bartender, uh, I'm, I'm sure several. he's got 500 of them. So you could just replace it. But I was going to go could. another route, right? I, and uh, so as this uh, this player's uh, Christmas gift from me is going to be a mimic chest that is uh, that warehouses dice. It's pretty. It's kind of small. I don't think it's going to be hold, hold nearly as many dice as he had. He just had like everything that he'd collected. The thing was bulging at the seams of dozens upon dozens of dice in there as, as any good gamer. It actually looks really, really good. Um, I like it. Hopefully they'll like it. If they don't, then they can always send it back to Amazon and they can get a credit. So the, the thing that I like about it, just because I'm curious is that it comes with a padlock and key, right? So like, like the thing is eight inches wide, probably weighs a pound. But it's got a padlock and key just in case someone uh, <laughs> breaks into your house for your dice. This is where you put your like your your precious your uh, semi precious yeah. gemstone dice, right? Yeah, sure. Oh, but, yeah. But, but it's like impossible for them to just dice. 
Yeah, it's impossible, though, for them to just pick up the chest and take it with them. <laughs> <laughs> so just smash uh, it open later? Right. Yeah. Well, it'll, yeah. It'll bite them, right? It, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an a, actual a, mimic, isn't it? Right. It's an attack yeah, chest. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I love the, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's a gimmicky type thing. And there are some, there were mixed reviews in there where the, the teeth had broken off in transit and things like that. They got replaced really, really quickly and easily, so... It's it's almost like a set piece more than anything else, where sure. he can put his uh, his favorite stuff in there, kind of like on display, and then you know, tote it around in a in a replacement bag or something like that. So I, I like it. It was it's pretty neat. So I figured I'd I'd share that as a a possible gift to your DM. That, that's yeah. If cool. there are any play, yeah, if there are any players out there that want to give an homage to your DMs and love on them a little bit for all the all the fun they're trying to bring to the table, then that's kind of neat. It's a little. I mean, it's on the pricier end of a of a of a accessory item it's it's 35 bucks on it's amazon still not too bad yeah it's not terrible it looks it's well painted and well put together mm-hmm. we'll you know we'll, well see yeah compared to some of the things that zach and i were looking at last night this thing is you know <laughs> phenomenal for the price yeah 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 so i mean well, cool. tra- uh, travel ready hand handcrafted it'll be everything's a little bit unique 100 percent money back guarantee so yeah just in time for Very Christmas. Cool. And, and John, mm-hmm. just because I'm 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 a nice guy, if you want, mm-hmm. I will send you one of my Crown Royal bags. Would you to, really? Oh man! I would. I would. You know what? I'll <laughs> actually. I wonder if we could fit the the chest in the Crown Royal bag. What's what's what, what's the dimensions on this thing? I think it's like eight by four, maybe something like that, something akin to that. Yeah, we'll, that have, to, right. we'll have to we'll have to sidebar that one. It's yeah, like a pound. It's almost two pounds. Holy crap! This thing is heavy. Seven by five. <laughs> really, yeah. There you go. Cool. Yeah, we can make it fit. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the last uh, product on our discussion topics for today is something called Morkborg. I'll post a link in there, but I'll also show to those of you who might be uh, watching the live stream. Uh, it looks like this. It started out as a um, zine on Kickstarter, and uh, it turned into this fine, fat, little hardcover book. Um it's like 30 bucks on Amazon right now. It's put out by Free League Publishing, who do um, Tales from the Loop, the Alien RPG, and other things that uh, we like here on the podcast. They're, uh, they're batting a 1,000 so far. With everything that I've seen, I've been really either interested in or I've already I've, I've picked it up. Exactly. Um, so I picked this up because of both the publisher and also uh, this won a lot of awards back in 2019 when it came out. Uh, a lot of Ennies uh, for the RPG side of things. And so I was curious about it, ended up grabbing it, uh, came in this week. I've given it a, a decent read through. It's weird, y'all. Um, if you like weird, grotesque, dark fantasy, this book will uh, fill that niche in your life. Um, I don't know. Like, it has its own little system that's kind of built around the idea of the ideas of the OSR. It has that feel, certainly, of, like, you build characters that aren't meant to live, sort of a thing. Um, But this is more of an art piece and less of an actual thing that they intend for you to play, I would say. Uh, As examples, it doesn't have a table of content. Um, The rules for leveling your character are before you even know that you build a character like they're <laughs> like 15 pages before everything's scattered and mixed around um the artwork in the book is nuts 
Um, and every page is like an art piece. Um, but that means that it's not easy to follow. It's not, it would not be easy to run. And um, it certainly is not new player friendly. Um, so if you are interested in this sort of thing, I would recommend it as a piece of inspiration. Because there's a lot of great tables and different things in it. Um, tables for weather and all the weather in this world is horrific. So you can just roll up. And if you don't ever want it to be a sunny day, they have 12 ways for it to not be uh, nice at all. Um, you know, oh. uh, a D66 table for corpse plundering. A D10 table for occult treasures. Um, just all sorts of stuff like that. They have a table in here for different ways to describe a zombie. Because um, you need know. that. You need that, yeah. When when that communicates something about the setting and how much you're going to be interacting with undead and occult practices and things like that. Um, but I think it's thirty bucks on Amazon. I would recommend picking it up if you just like something with a lot of style. But I wouldn't recommend picking it up if you're looking for the next thing your group is going to play. And just for those that, that are not able to see it, it's hardback. It is it's hardback. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a half size, right? Like, uh, the, yeah. what is it? Uh, eight and a half by four or something like that? Like, yeah, like maybe half the, Yeah, it's maybe a little bit bigger than that, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe uh, five and a half by uh, eight and a half. Um, there was actually one piece of art that, that, uh, that you showed us earlier that was, in, in, like, of all places for them to put it, I think that they would put it on the front of the cover, and it's that foil piece. That they've got yeah. inside. It, it's, it's so bonkers that they would put it in there, but it's one of those things where like they wanted it there, so they yeah. put it there, and they were willing to put the extra extra money into that just that one little piece. Oh, it's it's such a uniquely built book. Like the the front cover has like a pressed image into it, so it's got a texture to it. Um, it's got the yeah like different foil stamps on the inside. It's got two different textures of paper. Part of it is glossy, and then when you get to the adventure in the back, it's on matte paper. So it's just a a weird conglomeration, um, hmm. Mork Borg. So, and, uh, we'll so what on. is a Mork Borg? I have no idea. Listen, <laughs> I've read like sounds uh, like something from yeah, Alf yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I know what a dungeon is. I know what a dragon is. <laughs> what is a Mork Borg? Especially with no the idea. umlaut over the the O and Mork. Yeah, by the way, it's yeah, Mork Borg, right? <laughs> Borg. They'll, they'll be mad yeah. at me, all our international players, please, or viewers. I, I, I did look, and there's no, as far as I could tell, there's no monster, and there's a monster, there's a bestiary in the back. There's no monster that's called a Morkborg. Um, and it is written by, um, I think, a German fellow. Um, and then it was helped, they helped translate it into English. So, um, okay, so there may be something in the translation. International people that... You know, are way smarter than us, dumb Americans. <laughs> what is yes. a Morkborg? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, and that that kind of illustrates the book itself as an attitude, right? It's not interested in telling you, or at least not interested in telling you in a clear way that's easy to find. <laughs> uh, so that's Morkborg. Uh, Troy, last thing here. Um, this has been this is this podcast will be released a couple weeks after, but. In the news this week, this has been all over. So you decided yeah. we should have our own uh, add our thoughts to the mix. What you got? Is Hasbro getting ready to sell Wizards? Um, 
I've seen several uh, YouTubers and other podcasts talk about this um, this past week, and, and they reference the, uh, the the lawsuit with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. They reference the lawsuit with uh, Gale Force Nine, as if possibly uh, Hasbro is trying to cut any extraneous ties. Mm-hmm. to wizards because they're trying to make it look good to sell they moved to avalon product yep. line yep they 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 cut avalon hill the uh, the board game side of wizards out and it has now been absorbed into hasbro um they didn't put the d20 systems for uh, uh power rangers and gi joe and all that into underneath wizards they kept yep. it on hasbro yeah it, but they're using fifth edition system but they're mm-hmm. but it's being completely uh, different teams been yeah. being which they could on. still do if they had sold because it's all open gaming license at that point. That's right. Yep. That's right. So what uh, I mean the the one I was watching a uh, nerd immersion and, and Ted made the comment keep your eye out to see what they do with Wiz Kids if you mm-hmm. see them cut ties with Wiz Kids. I mean that's pushing this even further into a possible they're selling they're selling wizards to get rid of it for some reason. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me why they would. I mean it's the, the it, game the hobby's bigger than it's ever been. It's, the brand it's, is more yeah, the most it's recognized. It's the best selling version of all mm-hmm. with all the rest of them combined not even touching fifth edition. And not to mention what they've they've already said there's three Old settings planned for 2021, or at least starting mm-hmm. in 2021. Right. Um, well, obviously, not, any of those things un- that... Yeah, go, go ahead, John. I was going to say, it's it's not uncommon for them to have a roadmap to be able to hand over to the the purchaser and say, look, we've not only are we selling you the brand, the IP, and all this other great historical stuff, but here's our here's our the plan for the next two to three years. You can go off of that or you can change it or whatever you want to do. We've already released this much information to the public, but what it does is it gives them, it's like we've got directionality and it, we have a good path, a solid path, as opposed to we're giving it to you, we're, we're selling you a dumpster fire, right? Um, <laughs> with, no, so, with no plan, nothing in the works and, right. and just kind of stagnant. Which, which was TSR to Wizards. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Like what were you going to say? Well, no, I was just going to say, basically the same thing you just said, John, is that, you know, product in the pipeline, whether you keep it or sell it, you need to have that, right? So that, because we all know the development cycle on RPG stuff is is long. And so that you're absolutely right. They have a pipeline. And, you know, ending deals that you have with external partners may or may not have anything to do with preparing right. to sell the, right. um, the, 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 the business. I mean, it, those deals could be very valuable able to a new buyer as well because they don't won't have to go out and do that so i i look i think they could sell it at some point i mean it's probably worth more than it has been ever but a lot of those things just seem like they're rationalizing how they manage their brands more so than hey we're getting ready to spin this thing off or 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 sell it Um, or they may be consolidating consolidating leadership there may be like internal uh the the uh uh, the uh, hierarchy inside of the, the organization is shifting around. They're moving people over from this area to another in order to consolidate or to streamline the bureaucracy of it. Uh, they maybe may have gotten rid of. Uh, it may also be kind of a smokescreen for some of the trouble that they've had um, out in the open recently. It's like they can now go back and say, yeah. "Hey, I know that you know we got into trouble for some of the stuff that's been going on internally, 
earlier in the year, but you see that we're actively moving things around so that it feels like it's going to end up being a different a different organization by the end of it. Whenever they do whatever press release that they do, whatever publicity I, campaign. Yeah. I can feel, I feel that that's more of what's happening. Because I mean, like, what, to, to some of your points about Dragonlance, John, mm-hmm. how it was such a racially charged setting. Hang on, I got my eyes twitching. Yeah. Okay, ooh, go ooh, ahead. Ooh. yeah. And, you know, it, it, in, in our current, you know, uh, world structure right now, I mean, you, you can't have that and be a successful company. So mm-hmm. with, the, with the new novels that were being written, uh, you know, nothing against Weiss and Hickman, it's 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 their world. They they created it, and they're they were trying to write something. Could have been a little more racially charged than what Wizards was comfortable with. And, or even old school. Right? Yeah, going, old school is pretty pretty intolerant towards old school these days. You know, like the, oh, the yeah. old vibe of like goblins are evil. The end. Mm-hmm. Uh, dragons. There are a there is a subspecies of dragons that are evil chromatics bad guys always bad guys no redemption yeah. right uh good redeems its own evil consumes itself philosophy that's kind of like that 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 philosophy that's inside of the, the setting may be to them problematic where I, what i didn't understand about that all in all it's like if they have a problem with the brand a stop uh, um, selling crap with Dragonlance in it like it's in the PHB Dungeon Master's Guide. It's in the Heroes Feast thing that they Salt it's Marsh, like everywhere. Yeah. In there. Yeah. It's all over the place, right? And if, don't use that to bait the old schoolers in. If you want to go ahead and cut ties to it, go ahead and cut ties to it. Sell it off to Weiss and Hickman, and they they try to do that, and it just didn't happen before. I think one of the things I'd be most interested in is not necessarily whether or not they're going to sell, but if they were to sell, who's going to buy it, right? It's not going to be Pizo because they don't have enough money. Disney. Disney. Oh my God, they're, they're buying everything. It's like freaking yeah the royal silver hand is a disney princess yeah i mean the other thing they could do i'm not saying they should or would is they could it could be spun off as its own company right as a separate right independent yeah. entity which yeah. you know doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but that's that is another option that they could consider yeah, yeah. to me it just smells like money like 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 we said, the brand is increasing, is exponentially increasing in value. To me, this is a reorganization to to capitalize on that increase in profit, right? Like maybe the deal that they had with Gale Force 9 was nice when they were down here, but now mm-hmm. they see that, well, if we could if we could cut ties with them early, we have other people who are willing to print our international books and whatever, and we could earn a much higher profit right. uh, with a better deal. Same thing with Weiss and Hickman, it could be a publicity thing. It could be a thing where uh, it, it could be a PC thing. It also could be a money thing because those books have been in the works now for a few years. And it could be where Wizards values their what they bring to the table more than what uh, Weiss and Hickman bring to the table at this point. Um, so I, this just like everything about this smells like that. And a lot of Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast stuff, as it should be, is based around being profitable right now so oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the only thing that i'll i'll add my like my final piece to that is going to be hashtag free dragon lance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever right. it takes man like like be cool with each other and let's let's get it out there so I mean, so now we're gonna playing games with john's heart right there that's and, right yeah. right there man <laughs> yeah. so cool. look, be looking for in our in our merchandise store um the new free dragon lance t-shirts coming out that's right um mm-hmm. you know, trademark across my arm 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on Cafe Press right now creating that. I'm gonna right on, yes. right on. Yeah. That's right. Shut Very up and good. take my money. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to move on to our final topic of the day. This is our uh, big one, our main course, as it were. Um, before we do that, I kind of want to introduce our guest maybe a bit more than what we did. Because uh, we know Mike really well, and so he doesn't feel like a guest for us. We get to chat with him on a regular basis um, about all sorts of stuff like this. But for those of you listening, this is a new face. Um, so Mike is, uh, well, he's, he's many things to many people, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> to, to us. Many uh, things to many, many things people. To many. Yeah. He is a, a co-convention uh, DM. Uh, we, I think all of us met Mike uh, at different times, but at, at Bald Man Conventions. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of our uh, close inner circle there, if, if there is such a thing. Um, so uh, it's nice to see him uh, when we go to the conventions, and it's nice to chat with him uh, on Discord in different places uh, now that we're stuck at home. Uh, so... Uh, that's Mike. Yeah, um, that's and I'm, Mike. I'm I'm here that's to uh, to increase the average height and decrease the average facial hair. So <laughs> there we are. Oh man, yes. how long did it take you to formulate that one? That was not off the cuff. You know, you're like sitting there. No, no pin, I, I pin, yeah, pin I had hell prepared, but but it didn't take long thinking about the three of you and me. Oh no, uh, it oh, didn't yeah. take long. No, 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 no. Height, I'm a height challenged demi human. That is. For sure. <laughs> There's more width than there is height these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I would probably be about 6'2 if the beard wasn't weighing me down. Mm, amen. Amen. Maybe That's where so. all, of my, so. all the hormones in my body that were like growth hormone, it's all coming out of my face instead of like... My is that what's coming bone. out of your face? <laughs> it's all growth hormone, yes. Pure. <laughs> pure. It could be mined and harvested and then refined into... Uh, into like for athletes and for as a performance enhancer. Uh, this didn't just get disturbing at all. This is really <laughs> weird. Can we can we talk about D and D now, please? That sounds good. Uh, Troy, you're the only person of our group who isn't currently running uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. That's right. And yeah, why so, not? Yeah, why not? Because I am still. <clears throat> well, one thing that I'm doing is st- I'm still running uh, Eberron. The other mm. thing I'm doing, I can't talk about. So, <gasps> secrets. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Well, we can. I, I, I can talk about, about it in probably can... a couple of years, huh? Well, but you could say that you're play testing stuff. I play. T- I, I am play testing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet. So, Sweet. Uh, but you, you're the only one who isn't running uh, Frost Maiden, so uh, I'm going to turn over hosting duties to you, and you can steer the ship as best it can be. Uh, right. Yeah. For the rest of for the rest of this episode, so take it away. All right, Master Troy. So uh, to give uh, those of you out there that maybe haven't listened to some of our uh, recent podcasts, um, John has taken Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, mushed it up a little bit, a little bit, and stuck it in the world of Kryn. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, <laughs> the uh, the the world of Dragonlance, and Zach has done something very similar. But even with more of a twist, because he has, John is just kind of running it as a campaign, more or less, in Dragonlance. Yep. Zach has taken it, and he's like, it's going to be, what, 10 sessions? 
Yeah, thereabouts. Thereabouts, 10 sessions. Um, so he's, he's truncated the campaign, he's mushed it up, and he has put it uh, smack in the, in the middle of Middle-earth. Um, so he's using those tropes and things really familiar from the movies. Mike is the one that is kind of running it straight out of the book, uh, in Forgotten Realms, and and doing it how probably most people that are going to run this are going to do it. You know, straight out of the straight, as straight as any DM runs something right out of the book. You can you can tell which one of us are actually truly creatives and which one. <laughs> wow! All right, thanks you know, for I've thanks been... for having me. I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys later. You know, for the longest time now that I've known Zach and and Mike and that that friction, that playful friction that goes on, I've always wondered why the hell does Mike give Zach such a hard time? Ladies and gentlemen, now we know why. Now we know why. Okay, <laughs> that is uh, Zach has it coming to him. It's effectively what I've heard. So Mike. <laughs> Let the rabbit yeah. have it, friend. All right, that's right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, we've heard we've heard from John, we've heard from Zach, previously about how there's there's are going. Mike, how did how did you get this thing started? Did you did you use uh, one of the uh, suggested kickoff quests, the uh, the killer or the, the the spirits? We did, yeah. So we started in. So we played three sessions. So we're still in chapter one, you know, moving around between towns. So a couple of things that we did right off the bat, we did, you know, we introduced the the notion of the, um, I'm calling it the Ice Dagger Murders. So the Cold Hearted Killer quest. Um, you know, we, we, we also gave them, I think in the first session we did the, um, the, the one where you, um, you have to go get the missing shipment of iron uh, from, the, from those goblins. So we did that, mm-hmm. but also... Um, we also um, kind of planted the seed of the, um, the the wizard that's going to be burned at the stake in in East Haven. Um, that you know you're supposed to arrive there and and you see him go up in flames. But they spent a good portion of that first session talking about how they should go and and and, and rescue this wizard because uh, of that. So yes, we did that. But the you know the idea was you know we we planted the seed of the the ice dagger killer. But what? But we weren't going to resolve that within you know the first couple of sessions. So a, a couple of more, um, you know, a couple of more immediate things. I guess was how we wanted to start with. Okay, and the rest of you, Zach and John, how did you guys? How did you start it off, John? Yeah. So we, I started mine off. I I tried to start it off as as dragon lancey as I possibly could, and that's kind of the biggest challenge for me is making sure that it feels like it through and through from start to finish. So mine was uh, it started out with wilderness exploration, trying to find a town in uh, in what is in dragon lance's ice reach instead of in the north, it's in the south geographically, right? So for for my my start out was like to to kind of bring them towards the isolation and the the harshness of the landscape and then i moved when we got to a town the town was small it was uh bremen uh and uh, whenever they got to the bremen was the first one they got to because that's the one that they landed in i essentially in roll 20 or on the map i let them wander around Uh, i've got a my map has no names it has no markers no nothing so whenever they come close enough to something it will pop and it'll say oh you see a town in the distance do you want to go towards it so they just showed up into the town, had no idea what the name was, 
no pre-existing information about it. Uh, they had refugees that were coming in from the north, where the dragon, like the dragon armies. This is all in like War of the Lance, so people are trying to escape all the chaos in the in the north, that kind of stuff. So uh, the quest that we started out with was just the one that they ended up that they they wanted, right? Bremen has the uh, lake monster quest, but they bypassed that. And what if they did was they met Cora in the inn. And they really liked her and they heard about her son that was missing or that had run off and so they they followed that rabbit hole that rabbit straight down the hole and they have uh that they've been they went to uh cause or I'm not call it cause but care denival and care koenig trying to find him and they ended up in care koenig <clears throat> um uh, in the care routing the cultists and all that kind of stuff so that they followed that and this one thing about my my campaign in particular is it's really i'm trying to let the players do whatever they want and what so at whatever pace they want to do it at if they they literally spent like that's all we've done we started like it was wilderness exploration and then going from point a to point b finding the ca the castle you know dealing with the cultists and all that stuff so that was a really long slow burn they're still level two and we we're like five i think five sessions in they keep yeah. asking when they're going to be level three and i'm like do more stuff and we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about we'll talk. But, but but they're in, they enjoy it they love the, the survival and i'm planting things in like mike is where like i'm trying to i'm trying to foreshadow things that are coming up in the in the campaign like here and there threats that are out there they'll find a dead body with the head decapitated in the middle of the snow what does that mean they'll see a shadow that's above the clouds that's that darkens the landscape what is that that kind of stuff so that's how i kind of started mine out it's all wilderness exploration and then just letting them I'm, tr I'm trying my best, at least. Read the book, um, grab whatever I can out of it that's salvageable, um, and then build my own stuff, like have my own notes, and then just whatever they want to do, uh, I'll, I'll let them do it. Go as sandboxy as possible for the first two chapters, at least. Right. That's exactly what we're doing. Super sandboxy. I'm just trying mm -hmm. to stay, you know, a half a step ahead of the players. Exactly. And and in prep and understanding what's going on with while planting a few seeds for later that they'll probably either ignore or they'll jump on it right away and be like, "We got to do this thing right now." No, you're not. You're not right. ready for that. But yeah. You know. yeah, and it's tough <laughs> in my group at least to do the sandbox because I've got a gully dwarf in my group, <laughs> and he's like the kinder that just I did not expect you to do that, and so. Like I have, my gully dwarf decided to go up the the equivalent of the backside, the rectum of a castle, literally <laughs> up the rectum of a castle in order to get into it. And I was like, "How are you going to get there? And where do where does that where do you show up inside?" Right. So I, I've seen a lot of castle maps. I've never seen anything I'll show you the anatom labeled anatomical rectum. diagram of it later. <laughs> Not safe for work. These Not these castles are anatomically correct, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And Zach, I think, is kind of going a little bit different because yeah. in in true Lord of the Rings fashion, it is, hey, we've got something going on, go. Yeah. Hey, can I can I ask a question? So, what what uh, what time period in Lord of the Rings in Middle Earth are you are you setting your adventure? Third Age, War of the Ring, um, during the during the trilogy. Um, so, how I pitched it to them was. Elrond has just sent off the Fellowship of the Ring. And you are the those that were left behind. You know, he, he wanted a small group, so not everybody went. You were gathered, and he sent you north um, to look for Palantir. 
they had gotten word that Denethor had sent some of his uh, archivists north to look for more Palantir for the war effort, and Elrond does not want Gondor to have more access to things that may have been manipulated by the enemy. So you go north to look for Palantir, and there's lore in Middle-earth already, pre-existing lore about two Palantir being lost in the frozen north around an ice bay. So I kind of took that lead and turned it into that. Um, and there's a lot going on, but to keep it more streamlined, what I ended up doing was saying that um, there's only three towns up there. There's Bremen, Cairdenaval, and Targosts. And I built it out to where they could start at any one of those towns that they wanted. Um, there were different things that they could do, depending on which town they started with. And they chose to start with the big town. They started with Targos. And Targos, I ended up having lead, actually, Adventurers League Module 10-1, which is uh, a crypt exploration. And so that was their starting level quest was 10-1, going to that crypt, uncovering some stuff there, getting the lead in for, you know, there's a darkness rising in the north. You know, Sauron has outstretched his hand not just to the west and to the east and to the south, but also to the north. And we're very close to Angmar uh, in this location. So there's a lot of remnants of not just Angmar, but older strongholds of evil, Angband and, and Ultimo. I think that's the name of it um, uh, up there. Um, so yeah, they're, uh, they, they did that and then they went straight from there to, um, the Lost Spire, which is a chapter two quest. Um, and they went straight from there on and on and on. And we're six sessions in and we're 60% of the way done with the book. So we're, we're on track to wrap it up in 10 to 12 sessions, but we, it's, it's very much not that they only had one path to go. But once they got on a path, I really wanted it to feel like they chose the right one. And so mm -hmm. there are always things that lead further from the thing that they picked, right? So uh, we, wow. we went into the crypt. There's clues in that crypt that lead us somewhere else. We never have to backtrack if we don't want to. You can always go back if you want, but you never have to go back. Um and so that allows us to just roar along at a furious pace. And uh, the players just trust, at this point, they trust that they're on the right path. And at this point, it'd be hard for them to deviate from that path because they've got a system in place. Yeah, I'm actually, the one thing that I've told Zach repeatedly is how impressed I am at the pace that they've been able to keep up without it feeling rushed is what it sounds like, which is awesome. For mine, it's like this really, really slow boil where there's going to be a payoff later on down the line for all of this exp that we're building up now. <clears throat> and it'll be like, oh, that was that thing. Oh my gosh, that was this. That's what I'm hoping that I'm going to get out of my players. But uh, 10 sessions or less, more like more or less, that's that's still, that's that's pretty, that's really tight. Really tight. This is going to go for at least a year right, with my with my players, at least. Yeah, mine will go really long too. That's and crazy. that's because, you know, it's a regular group. We play every week, maybe sometimes every two weeks. And... Uh, you know, if if we ended after ten or twelve sessions, I'm just gonna have to find something else to run for those guys. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna milk this thing uh, and get as many you know sessions of, of valuable content as I can get out of this um, out of this adventure. Uh, so it'll be 
it, it'll go. You know, yeah. So a different approach. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not saying mine's better than Zach's. I wouldn't say that on his podcast. But well, I wouldn't I say that either. <laughs> um, I can't believe that you didn't. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Speaking to that, kind of going off off notes, which I don't have that many. Anyway, <clears throat> hearing Zach how he has his set up, um, and me coming off uh, a. Storm King's Thunder campaign that lasted a little over two years. You know, it's like we're sitting there playing that Storm King's Thunder campaign and all these other books and, and modules are coming out that sound really cool, but we're, you know, firmly in the middle of a campaign of giants. Right. I, I myself am kind of seeing a, a, a very very useful technique in truncating down and getting to the essence of what the story is. Cause, uh, one of the, one of the criticisms I've heard over and over again about not just rhyme of the frost maiden, but a lot of the other, um, hardback books that have come out is you've got, and it is, and, and I think we've all discussed it before. It's, it's a marketing thing. You know, you've talked to, you talk about, there's something going on in, in the frozen north. Uh, it's blanketed in darkness. Uh, Oriel has, uh, you know, is trying to do something insane up there and causing all kinds of havoc. And then you start off the module and it's, oh, let's, let's go get some mead for the town. Or let's go over here and, and do this. And you're not, you've got this big bad doing a big bad thing. But you're down here at first level, not doing anything right. associated with it, taking you everywhere else. So, and there's nothing wrong with that because you're building up to the point of going, oh, there is something that I, that, that this group can do about it. Mm -hmm. Or do you kind of compact it a little bit more and make, make it a more, oh my gosh, we need to do something. Yeah, we're low level, but we have to go. Right. We have that's to part do of the, the danger thing. of that's the danger of any marketing campaign, right? It's I see that with movies all the time. Like oh, whenever yeah. I I got to the point with movie trailers, I could watch the movie trailer, the same one movie trailer, like the full one, the two minute long tra trailer, maybe once or twice, and I pretty much know the formula for the entire film. And so at that point, like, what's the point? Like I did that with the, the episode seven with Star Wars. I, I for the first time in years. I didn't look. I was like, I've, they've already sold me. There's no point in me looking at it, regurgitating it, like regurgitatively over and over and over again. And I've done that since then with other movies too, to to pretty positive or to good, good success. But what happens is the players, they, they kind of know what the MacGuffin is yeah. before yeah. they start the movie, or before they start the, the game, right? They know that the Ark of the Covenant is going to be the thing that Indy's going to be after. When, when are we going to get to the Ark of the Covenant part where we're actually looking it up instead of, you know, dealing with the... Uh, the mund what they consider the mundane, which they probably wouldn't if they didn't know that the what the big thing was that they were supposed to be going towards. Right. right? So that's, that's I think that's the, the the peril of a good marketing campaign is make, is making sure that people know about what's coming up and getting them excited for it. But the 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 downside is that they give away too much in order to to get to get engagement. We had a guest on our podcast a few months ago. Do you remember? Uh, some of you might remember Rachel. Um, who had a Kickstarter at the time, Titan Home. Um, yep. And she just put out an update 
recently. Um, she had intended on, as part of the book that she was releasing, giving you a level 1 to 20 campaign. And she said, the campaign is happening, the story is being told, but it's not going to end up being level 1 to 20. Because the story is turning out to be something that's more compact than that. And she said, as opposed to just throwing in a bunch of fluff stuff that doesn't actually matter to the story, just to round it out and let you be level 20 by the end, I'm choosing to streamline. And I was like, well, that's really, to me, that's really interesting because I think, and different strokes for different folks, but I think it right now the mantra is as many tools as you can cram into the box or into the book, cram into the book. As many side quests or hooks or NPCs or, you know, areas, towns, regions. That's mm -hmm. great. I mean, Storm King's Thunder is the worst offender in this, right? Where we play, you play three chapters of really interesting story that goes from beat to beat. And then it's like, hit pause and go do something else for three levels and then come back and, and play some more of the story. And here are 40 wow. places that you can go during this time. It's like, that that is a great way to lose the story and never pick it back up again. You know, I think there's a difference between designing an adventure, a tight story that I would consider an adventure, and a campaign, which is a number of interlocking adventures that can go a, a lot longer. And I think, so there's that, and I, I think you're right. If you're trying to tell a t tight, concise, you know, f single story, that's an adventure to me, and that's not a campaign that's going to take somebody level 1 to 20 or or really be in my mind, value for a $50 uh, hardback. Um, however, what I'm thinking of, you know, the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden as is as a campaign. So a longer term set of interlocking adventures, you know, where the characters explore. And I don't think it suffers from the same problem that Descent into Avernus or um, Tomb of Annihilation suffer from, where there's this, you know, forced, um, you know, you have to go and solve this problem now. I mean, in the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, this has been going on for two years. So this is so the, the the everlasting rhyme is in my mind. It's an environmental. It it sucks. It's bad. Um, but it's not like you need to go solve this now. You, you there's no ticking clock like there is in Tomb of Annihilation. There's no you know mm -hmm. the the chains aren't pulling El Terrell into the River Styx uh, in in Descent into Avernus. Right. That's not that's not here. So. This is a different approach, and I and I kind of like it. That lets you, you know, to to like what John was saying, have the campaign breathe. Now, there's nothing wrong with a you know doing a tight focused you know shorter campaign, but if you want to do a longer one, you know, this one to me is better suited to those side quests and and a real sandbox than you know Avernus or Tomb of Annihilation were. Well, I I, I wonder okay. how what the benefit would be or how helpful it would be if they included some kind of an online guide, like an auxiliary guide that says, look, here's the one first level through 12th level campaign, but if you want to streamline it and if you want to get right to the point, here's how you can skip, you can skip the stone across the water and get there a little bit faster if you want to. I don't know that that's something they'll end up doing, but that maybe that's a, that's what a DMs Guild thing. That's, right? That would be a good DMs Guild yeah. thing, yeah. Perfect, perfect for it. Like, uh, uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden in ten se in ten sessions. Boom. It's also right. difficult, though, right? Like to your point, Mike. Like they're talking about a campaign, and 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 looking at it as a campaign is interesting. But you're also 
being sold as a horror campaign very precisely right like that's that's what everything about this book was pitched as is this is you know horror in the frozen north um and it's not really yeah it's not really and about mm-hmm. 20% at least i would say of the content in the book is actively trying to move away from that yep um it, you, they, it, they promised you the thing and they gave you killer clowns from outer space well, yeah. well, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, even the intro quest, right? We got the 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 cold-hearted killer, and then we've got the elemental spirits. One of those is trying, at least in some ways, to emulate what they promised, and the other one is saying, "If you don't want to do that, here's all. This has nothing to do with any of that. Um, it's not it's not horror in the least. Um, in fact, it's lighthearted. Um, and to me, I I would argue that it's every player that's setting foot in this adventure is expecting a horror campaign at this point yeah i don't know i mean i i you know i i think if you if you really follow the marketing i think you would but a lot of players you know they're thinking oh it's going to be a like a drizz novel or like the icewind dale video games which weren't horror at all um so i i I don't i didn't i don't get the sense at least you know Sample size of six. My players, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that sense that they're expecting a horror game, uh, and it's not really the thing that my my particular set of players is into. There's some spooky stuff going on for sure, and they're going to have to deal with it. But I don't know. I mean, I think that's. But to your point, it's not a. I mean, it's not written as a horror campaign. It's no. it's, and no. that's uh, to me that's okay. But I get yeah, the they're... you know. Admittedly, though. We are also, you know, the the four of us definitely are a lot closer to, you know, hearing what is actually the intent coming from Wizards than a lot mm-hmm. of the fan base, really. You know, so we hear we hear from the horse's mouth that, oh yes, you'll you'll wanna you'll wanna watch the thing and you'll wanna read at the Mountains of Madness to get prepared and and we get that intense level of hype of supposedly what it's supposed to be and then when we get it and it's just not yeah but then you got the other people that that don't care it's 20 percent lighthearted, 20 percent dark and then the middle 60 percent is just kind of a mixed bag interpret it how you will there's bits and pieces of everything thrown in right um and i think that that's maybe maybe if i was going to say like for people who are planning on running it or people who are even people who are planning on playing in it, is it's probably good to know ahead of as a DM or for your DM what you want it to be going into it. Because if you want it to be horror, you as a group are going to have to work towards that, and your DM is going to have to work towards that with a revision. If you don't want it to be horror at all, I have a player who communicated to me in the past month that based on the world around them and the world around all of us right now, they would rather their D and D stuff be more lighthearted, right? They don't. Mm. They're not interested in playing a dark, disturbing, whatever. Um, if you want that, you're gonna have to work towards that. Um, it's not a book that's naturally gonna take you in one direction or the other. There's gonna be bits and pieces of both, um, and that is probably going to in turn mean that a change has to be made to match any expectations that are. Put in it and, and I think a lot of that is just because of the way 
at least from my perception, that Watsy designs these books. That mm, you know, yeah. this is a tentpole release. It's got to be a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. movie, and it needs to appeal to the broadest possible audience, right? And that yeah. that makes sense. And so, if you want to run in my mind, if you want to run something weirder or something different or something outside of the norm or a horror campaign or something focused on something that you wouldn't ordinarily get, that's where third-party publishers come in. And yep. you shouldn't yeah. – I don't expect that from um, you know, from a from major Watsy release at all. Yeah, and, I, ex- and, I expect yeah. – I, um, I expect mainstream MCU yep. out of Watsy. That's a perfect example. I, ex- I, expect, Absolutely. I expect Ant-Man and uh, – like, Doctor Strange and some stuff that are a little bit weird sometimes, but nothing that's but it's still safe, right? 13, 13 and up, it's easy peasy. Really, like ten years, ten year olds can go and watch MCU and not get spooked. But I don't expect Deadpool out of them, like ever, right? Because that now it would be nice if every once in a while they were willing to take the risk. But I completely understand from a business perspective why they're not doing that because that doesn't that doesn't take care of mainstream America, and it doesn't give you the broadest. Uh, spectrum of uh, like players and DMs coming to the table to purchase the product, and then end up playing it. That means that's and smart I know... from them. That's smart. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Well, it is smart. That's, it's it is smart. Like, do, like that business idea of them doing it that way is totally smart. I get that. What is not okay though is selling like selling pitching one thing and then producing something else. It's, right. It's not to me. It's not. It's disingenuous to say, oh, you need to watch the thing. In the mountains of madness, you need to watch Cthulhu stuff because you need to worry about it's paranoia and it's horror and it's yeah. That's kind of like like saying that over like like they had this big pitch for uh, to 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 keep on our uh, Marvel train. They had that big pitch for Winter Soldier and that it was this like spy espionage thriller movie Mm -hmm. that it's not. It has tastes of that, but that was the campaign Mm -hmm. for it. That's what they presented is like. We've got a Marvel movie that really takes the idea of like government agencies and spy networks and things and really does something classical in that genre with it and not it isn't a superhero movie. That was even said. And it was quite obviously not that. And the same is true. I think they did a better job, but the same is true with Infinity War, right? Like you what was pitched was this is going to be a heavy thing where, where things are going to happen that cannot be undone right and there is going to be lives lost there's going to be uh, changes in the balance of the superhero echelon that that are going to have ramifications that echo throughout the next however many phases and at least where marvel succeeds in that though is that they got they pitched that and they gave us two movies that were that way all the way up until the very end they mm. they swung hard until the last second, and then they pulled their punch. Right, end of Infinity War, they did kill half the Everybody. population. Right, right. Like right. they said, there you go, we did it. Right, um, and we knew that by the end of it, they were going to pull the punch back. But at least they did it. Right, um, so I agree that, that that there is a similarity there. But I do feel like, and sometimes Marvel actually does at least push down that road a ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I would have liked for Frostmaiden to push down that road, road a ways too. Like, the thing with The Thing and movies like, a lot of horror movies, is that they you don't walk out of them feeling good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, maybe you want to walk wanted, out going, oh, I survived. Yeah, oh, man, glad that's over. Um, or just, you know, 
I would have liked to have seen like a Frost Maiden where, you know, maybe we get that feeling all the way until the very end, but then it can have that positive take at the end. So you get that feeling of dread and and uh, terror of darkness or whatever until the end. And then well, we're see, allowed for it to breathe. But okay, so I love the thing. I love in the mount the, the mouth of madness and mountains of madness. I love all that stuff, but my favorite horror movie not because it's like the most has the best special effects or even maybe even the best story. I don't know. But my one of my favorite horror movies that Hollywood has ever produced is uh, Frank Darbont's The Mist. Yeah. And it's because of the ending. Because yeah. when I was sitting there watching it, I'm like I'm waiting for the the happy ending to happen and it does not happen. And it is as the, the darkest path is the, the ending is the one that they chose. And it's not even the ending that Stephen King originally wrote in the book for the book. And King has gone on record saying the ending of the movie is better because it, yeah. it didn't pull the punch at the very end. And it's, and, but what it does, the morality, the, the morality play that horror movies and horror stories are supposed to kind of be that in part of our, the human mythology that we create of horror movies is that there's supposed to be like a, a morality play. We're trying to teach something by not pulling that punch. It made it, it punctuated the, the morality play of if yeah, but you you're don't wanting... do the right thing all the consistently all the way through, this is what ends up happening as a result. You're wanting, it's you're awesome. wanting, you're wanting a full healthy meal from a, from a popcorn flake, right? Like, like, well, you know, as, as in like, Marvel is not going to give you a hearty meal ever, right? No, because um, no. that's not what they're interested in. They're make they're interested in selling popcorn, and I I can't believe I'm agreeing with Mike here. Um, I'll have to take a hot shower <laughs> afterward oh, or something. But, yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> but but I think that I think that he's right. Like third party publishers are where you get the mist. I agree. Or the thing at this point. Or um, or a different RPG, right? Because you don't do horror oh, yeah, yeah. in or D&D, more, more. really, because. Because in D and D, you're expecting to survive, and you're expecting to advance, exactly. and, and power level, that's you're expecting you to, get, that's to have that bl- epic victory. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. where you get Blades in the Dark, The Lost uh-huh. Citadel, and on and on and on. Right, where it's it's the the that missed ending is that's the game. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if if we're still talking about, we're gonna still go talk about Marvel for a minute. <laughs> yes, we've had twenty some. We had, we've had twenty some movies of popcorn, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about uh, the Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's going to be their attempt at a spy movie. And then they've already seen about, the trailer, and it says that it's. Sorry, you finish first. I mean, and then you've got, you know, they've talked about the new Doctor Strange movie, which is called, which is, I believe, uh, the Multiverse of Madness. They're going to go mm-hmm. down the Cthulian uh, horror bent. To me, it's almost like okay, Marvel has proven. That for twenty some movies they can give us the popcorn and all the cool stuff like that 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 makes the huge amounts of money. D- does there come a time where they where they say, hey, you know, let's let's take a little bit of a chance and do a an actual spy flick and yes. a Cthulhu horror movie? And then you've got yeah. if you extend it out a little bit more, you've got uh, Logan. Yeah. Which to me that is a full cool. meal. But that was Fox. that's a third party publisher though. That is a third party yeah, using exactly. you, but using their IP. Yeah, uh, you, you're gonna get it, but it's not gonna be in a blockbuster. Black Widow right, maybe right, right. is less superhero-y because it doesn't have as much superpowers, but it's gonna still be a superhero movie. Doctor oh, Strange yeah. isn't gonna break much in the way of new ground, except 
maybe its monster, its villain looks a little bit stranger. The where the place that you're going to see them breaking new ground is with their TV shows, their miniseries, where mm-hmm. they're only spending, you know, as opposed to two hundred million dollars, they're spending sixty. Um, yeah, they can take the risks there. Yeah, you yeah. saw, or you already saw that. You saw that with the Netflix series. They were gritty, dark. They were not for kids. Whether it was Luke Cage, which was phenomenal, uh, Daredevil was phenomenal, Punisher was great, Iron Fist was okay, Jessica Jones was okay. Well, like they're not bad at all, but they but they were willing to take more risks and could take more risks as a result of there's less there's less uh, less risk in the yeah. risk, right? Now to your point though, Troy, I I personally I've I've seen the the trailer for. For uh, Black Widow, and it still looks like popcorn to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we're gonna get a spy film out of it. Uh, the the new Doctor Strange, we're not gonna get a Cthulhu out of that because they, I, to me, they probably could take the risk at this point. They're like, yes, we've got 27 movies under our belt that says, no matter what we give you, it's gonna be good, right? Or it may not be great, but it's going to be watchable, palatable. You're going to, you're probably gonna have, you're gonna enjoy it more than likely, right? They probably could take the risk, but they still won't take the risk because that's the formula. You follow the formula, make the widget exactly the formula. like this. Don't mess with the time, formula. Make the money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, we, I feel like as an episode, which is fine, I feel like as an episode, we just, we promised Frost Maiden. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> and we went Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> very appropriate to our topic today. Um, it is very appropriate. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, well, tr- getting us back on track, we we kind of know where kinda know where Zach's going. He's already said. Mike, where are you hoping your players take this? Uh, is, yep. it, is, is there like a, a, a track that you're like, oh man, this will be so cool if I can get him to go down this line? So there's a couple of things that I think will be interesting. One of the, one of the interesting parts is um, one of the PCs is a Dwergar. So... That interaction with the the Dwergar in in a future chapter will be will be interesting, and and there's some that you might meet in in chapter one. The other piece that's interesting is, you know, they really wanted to go to East Haven and save this wizard, and they went, and so I, you know, the way it's written is you show up and he's burning at the stake when you arrive. Well, I didn't, I thought that would be a downer for them, so um, they they spent a good chunk of time. You know, negotiating with the town to try not to have him be killed, um, and and they didn't get him released, but they were able to have them delay his execution. And so, you know, and the way that I presented that to him is, in my mind, he, he's guilty, but he absolutely did not get a fair trial, and there's not much evidence. So their sense of justice is put out by that. So I'm interested to see where where that goes because that will take us away from kind of the book as written, um, but. You know, I think that's interesting because one of the things that I did was he was blamed for, you know, the murders that were written in the book. I also said that they blamed him for one of the Ice Dagger murders. And they've gotten to the point where they know he's not the Ice Dagger murderer. So they're already saying, mm-hmm. well, they blamed him for something he definitely didn't do. What about the other stuff? So that's kind of the direction I'm – and I don't know where that's going to go. I need to think about that, uh, how I will handle various things. Um, because what if they, what if they re- release him? What's he going to do then? So that that part of it is um, is kind of where I'm interested in seeing where it goes, and, and it'll go somewhere that's not that's not written in the book. Okay, cool. But will probably be satisfying for the players if it resolves in an interesting way. Right on. Well, what about John? Where's John? Okay, good, Zach. Well, just real quick, just as a note, like like 
the great thing about that, and anytime you tie in the Arcane Brotherhood, which would be, if, if I'm telling our listeners, DMs, about Frostmaiden, it's that the Arcane Brotherhood is such a great tool for progressing the story. Like, that's a brilliant piece of addition for this series. And so, like, if you saved Zahn in East Haven, you can use him to point the party in a direction if you want to, right? And the same thing is any time they interact with any of the Arcane Brotherhood, the Arcane Brotherhood knows everything about the whereabouts of all the other Arcane Brotherhood members, by and large. So you can use them to see, like, if you're like, okay, it's about time they go onto the ice. Well, Dazan can tell them where a companion of his was last spotted as a good lead into that. So, yeah, I, I like any time that you interact with the Arcane Brotherhood, I think you're doing something right in this in this series. Mm-hmm. Okay, John, where you, where you want to where do you want to go? Where do you want hope that they take this? Okay, so before I say anything, if my players are listening, go away or I'm going to punch you in the groin repeatedly. <laughs> for what I'm about to say, go away wow. now. Spoiler alerts coming, incoming hard, right? So for me, it is one of the one of the weakest parts of the entire book is any connection between the different powers or factions that are kind of in at play in in uh, in the Frozen North or in Icewind Dale or for me it's Ice Reach, right? So you've got the Arcane Brotherhood's doing a thing. The dwarves are doing a thing. The cult is doing a thing. You got Aurel who is doing a thing, or for me it's Felthos, right? Like there's no real there doesn't really feel like there's a connection between them. There are these disparate things that are happening, but there's no like it's not being funneled in one direction. So for me, the MacGuffin, uh, the the red herring is effectively Aurel or Felthos. Felthos is gonna be the is gonna be the the red herring. That's what the it's Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, or for me it's uh, Dragons of Eternal Rhyme is gonna be the thing that they think it's going to be but what the real crux of the ish the problem is the uh is the buried the, uh city of the netheril netherese city or for me it's the the an ogre city uh the irda uh, that um the that city that had essentially crash landed or that could fly before and it's like it's filled with artifacts that are way way too powerful and there are weapons that could be utilized inside of that city that would turn the tide of the war in the north. That's one thing. The second thing is, Tachesis isn't the only evil god that has a stake to play in the War of the Lance. Every, all of the other gods, they don't want to be beholden to the Dark Queen. They're only beholden to the Dark Queen because she's the biggest bad there is. But Chemosh, Hidukel... All of the other bad guys, they want a piece of the pie, or they want their own own piece. And so the different factions are being led by different gods, which that's very Dragonlance. There's like an avatar, like a Fizban or something like that, that is that's motivating them. Or Mishakal is somehow motivating Moon uh, Gold Moon to do a thing. So the dwarves are being motivated by one god. The cult is being motivated by, by motivated by another. Uh, Felthos becomes Chemosh's, you know, chosen of Chemosh, raise him up, send the armies of the dead from the south up to the north to take over it, yada, yada, yada. So, and then there's Tachesis, who has a plan B in all of this. The green gemstone man, she hasn't been able to find him yet, so, you know, th- th- she needs that plan B. So that, to me, what I what I want out of the end game. Is that I, for me? I'm hopefully satisfied with all the threads that I put together. That they see it, they, they, they it's hopefully it's cool for them that they appreciate it. It's as cool to them 
in play as it is in my head. And like, it, it, I actually successfully collect, connect everything the way that I want it to, but that it's, it's also the surprise. So that whenever, cause one of the problems I had in the, in the book is you go and you fight a real, and then you're thinking, well, that's the end of the movie right there. Right. Why the hell are we getting two more endings to this movie? Right. I thought to the story. So for me, whenever there needs to be a reason why, whenever they've, they go and fight real or confront or whatever. There's a reason why when it keeps moving, they don't feel like they're getting, they got cheated out of the ending, right? It's like, oh, we're doing something different now. We're going to go and, okay, that, okay. So that's, that's the thing for me is trying to make sure that the ending feels like an ending at the very end and that the rest of the, the story that I'm able to pull, that I'm able to pull in is satisfying to them. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, Super spoiler here, but it's really weird that 70% of the way through the book, 65% of the way through the book, they're like, your party might win this campaign here. Right. And if so, it's over. Yeah. And there's no My party will up. not win the campaign there. I will tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. My thumb will go on the scale as needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Like, it's so weird, though, that they wrote that in. They're like... Yeah, they well, I mean, at least they have the wherewithal to understand that anytime you put a thing with stats in front of mm. the players, they might kill it, yep. and they're allowing for that. But it's like such a weird, <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird uh, idea that that might happen. I mean, it's the same thing as like if um, if they would have killed the the blue dragon in Storm Kings, you mm. know, when you meet it in um. Uh, the eye of the Allfather, right? Like, yeah. certainly not going to happen there either. Pro I mean, it shouldn't, but there's a possibility. And then that whole book is, you might as well just call it quits because ev most everything that happens from there on out isn't going to happen. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Or Strahd, but I think Strahd, they've got a better handle on. They've got some. Yeah, Strahd's got like a, he's got an easy out. Turn to mist and escape. Yep. Right? Yeah. There's like, a, there's yeah. a way to, to, to cheat. But even that scene feels like a cheat to the players too, right? So you don't, you, yeah. it's not, it's something you want to use re with incredibly discriminately whenever, yeah. if you were to use it. Or just it's lean into it super, super hard and just keep doing it to them and just make them hate Strahd with a passion. I've, I've just, tried doing that before oh, and they end up hating me, not Strahd. Well, <laughs> I mean. So Strahd's not doing this to me. You're doing this to me is what I've gotten mm -hmm. out of them before. Because That's I fair, it's also, totally. It's also interesting. You could play into the fact that Ariel is a god. Is it really a god? Like, yeah. I don't know that a lot of players know this, but Ariel is in the player's handbook. Like, mm -hmm. just flip to the back of the book and the list of deities, and she's right there. Like, and and so in in, in that regard, I think that it's you can play up the fact that it's not going to be as easy as driving a sword through them, even if you right. do that. It, you're just killing an avatar or whatever. Like I know in Frost Maiden, you do just drive a sword through them, but um, you could play it up. Spoiler alert! Because, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, or you could just you know adjust the stats of any creature they fight and make it you know oh, right. tougher yeah, than they right. can deal with. Absolutely, well, they had teleportation as, yeah. and their spell list. Hmm, how did that end up there? Yeah, huh. right? yeah. yeah. Counter spell? Yeah. What? Yeah, I'll tell you, like, like Ariel is a certain CR, which we won't talk about maybe here, but not a super high CR in her first mm. form. The dragon in the book is about the same CR. Mm -hmm. And my party, who is largely fifth level, 
beat that dragon pretty easily. Oh, wow. Because it's a one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what the RL fight is, too. So mm -hmm. I know that there's more than one phase to RL, but my party could probably beat two phases of RL right now at level 5, as written. So keep that in... I would, I'm going to keep that in mind. She'll definitely get a bump. <laughs> She'll definitely get a bump. Well, last question for everybody, and to go on, to kind of keep the theme going here, uh, where do you hope they don't want to go? Oh, I thought by keeping with the theme, you were going to ask us which was our favorite Marvel movie. But okay, I can do that too. <laughs> that, that, that would, yeah, that would be the end credits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is, is where there, do we not want them to go? Yeah, is there, I, I mean, is there because yeah. there's so many different places, so many different towns, so many different uh, places of interest, you know, running around. Is there like the one that you're just like, oh, seriously, no, don't, don't. There's more than enough stuff that I don't want them to go to. They're not going to go to those places because I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not going to list them as options in it. I'm going to protect myself from from <laughs> in my own misery by like. Well, there's like this giant gap in the story. Don't worry about that. Pay yeah. no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's okay. Like the talking dinosaur in the lake, right? You you weren't going to have a talking dinosaur in the lake. Nope. That thing yeah. didn't talk at all because that is dumb. Yeah, what is the deal with they're not going to have a, They're not going to parlay with the thing that's trying to kill them. Hey, bro, it's calm like a, down. Whoa, it's whoa. like a Johnny Appleseed sort of situation. Like, that's at least the way that I picture it. Because there is not a... Like, Johnny Appleseed went all across the country planting seed, Right. And by the end of it, it's like there's there's this like myth in American culture, right? That like every apple tree that you see was from Johnny Appleseed, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as like, oh, there's there's these druids just walking through Icewind Dale, just and every animal that they see is like, <laughs> yeah. you're awakened, you're awakened. <laughs> yeah. Like by the end of it, like there's not going to be a single animal in the north that oh, isn't willing to have a quiet chat with you like yeah. I, I like I'm, I'm okay with awakened animals an animal that can speak or that is cunning or smart like a, a snowy owl bear that hunts you like but a, not this like, many lines, but not this exactly it's like disney it's like a disney movie yeah we're, we're, we're in the talking candlesticks yeah. yeah that's it that's uh, for me. like i don't i don't have a place i don't want them to go because i'm not gonna let them go there effectively yeah. that's kind of how i would I'm approach it too, yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm not gonna give yeah. them the option I, you know, what, 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 one funny thing, though, with my group is one of the characters' background is that, you know, you were killed, right, and, and reincarnated. So, because mm -hmm. he wanted to play a tabaxi, and we're like, how does a tabaxi fit in here? And I was like, oh, how about you were a guy, you got reincarnated as a tabaxi. And he was like, cool. He was killed by the white moose. And so, mm. um, when I, in Lonelywood, and when I present, I, I dropped that seed and said, hey, there's this white moose in Lonelywood that's killing hunters. I was kind of expecting that player to be like, oh, I want my revenge. Instead, he was like, nope, guys, we do not want to mess with that white moose. I had a bad experience. Just let's stay <laughs> away from Lonelywood. Let's go to East Haven or wherever. Do the other thing. We don't want anything to do with that white moose, um, which is kind of funny. That's, and that's actually built in good, deterrent. Good, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 You, you, need to, you need to just like every once in a while, out in the distance, you see the white moose. No, we're going this way. We're going this way. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. I, that's awesome. Uh, my hope is that at this point, I feel like we're roaring down a trail. Like they picked a path They're They're moving down it. They're moving really, really well. They're following a really concise story and I'm having to do very little like nudging to keep them on track. So I guess my thing would be, I, I hope that they choose to continue that 
pace. And I hope, so where do I not want them to go? I don't want them to go backwards. Because uh, at this point, they don't need to. And it, all it's going to do is drag out the story and remove the the uh, this this rising build that we've got going where things making sense and are falling place. It's your build track in front of the train sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And there's building the track in front of the train is a is a crazy feeling. It's way less exciting when you say let's just stop the train and let track build and then we'll go later. Like now let's just let's just do this. Like let's let's all trust each other to to keep up this pace to the end. I like it. I like it. Because I think we'll finish within 12 sessions at the rate we're going, and that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. So, so, so maybe we'll have to uh, reconvene this little group once, uh, well, at least when Zach finishes his in a few sessions, and then and John and Mike can kind of talk about where they're at in there probably you mean i haven't done enough to get myself banned from any future appearance on this oh no (laughs) not yet mike might be our white all of your anger at one person so you're fine the other two that's fine and we're totally cool with that one person that you're focused on (laughs) well see i was going to defend zach initially but then zach just sorry man you lost the moral high ground i i never had it to begin with was some of the stuff that he said to you you're, you're, you were going to defend him? I'm just I'm used to taking abuse, so well that's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. Especially Dragonlance abuse. That's like you're just trying to cause trouble here, Troy. Okay. Yeah. I, I I appreciate that. Admire it. <laughs> well, um, I, I you know what I I think that we should end this if you don't mind me uh, pulling us in a different direction. No, because otherwise we'll probably talk about Marvel again. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you have an exclusive opportunity, if you're listening live, to uh, to listen to more of Mike. If you haven't got enough of him by now, um, go play a game with him uh, at D&D, uh, D&D Live, whatever it's called, uh, on the weekend. Virtual December, D&D 70s. Weekends. Yes, virtual, virtual D&D, D&D, D&D Weekends, weekends. yeah. Uh, Mike is running some games there, and as of yesterday, he still had some slots A few available. tickets remain, yeah. Well, John's yeah. running games too, right? Aren't you, John? John's running a few games as I well. I am. I've got. I have three sessions uh, this Sunday. That's so the thirteenth. They're coming up. I've still got some slots open. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, go go hang out with these guys and uh, and uh, this that would be a perfect opportunity for you to give them as much hell as they give me on a regular basis. So <laughs> just be gentle in the service. Undeserved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can uh, say whatever you want. Just give us a good score. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, go check them out. Um, you can go check us out on Facebook as well. Give us a follow. That way you can know uh, when we are running events uh, like the one next week. You can also know when when more things like this episode go live on Twitch. Um, we talk about that and other sorts of events as, as they come up and happen. Um, I want to thank Mike for hopping on and chatting with us. Um, we're going to have to do this more often. I'd like to get Dave yeah. on here too because... Uh, that would then we would have had the full group, I think, at that point. Oh yeah. Mm. Although I don't know because Dave is one of the players in my Rhyme of the Frostmaiden oh. campaign, so we don't want him on oh. in this conversation. But I mean, you should okay, you yeah. should totally have um, him on the show at some point. Yeah, yeah. What we'll we'll get him on for like the like 
we did an episode or we we recorded an episode a while back called uh things you wish your players knew <laughs> um, nobody we could get hear. dave on for the things you wish your dm knew and just we'll do a shit on your dm episode that's great yeah with, <laughs> with, with he hasn't used it yet make sure he's using yeah. my my dm sucked at gmail.com yeah, or better yeah, yet but, uh, how about uh how about we try and get these guys on after the weekend of the 18th when uh we're all trying to, to play some uh alternate oh that'd be great too yeah, yeah we could, like we could talk about yeah. what we did we talk cool. about uh agents and uh knights black agents that's what it's called right we're gonna that's be saying that's right that. yep and tales from the loop so that would be fun absolutely yep. all right guys like, i wouldn't mind doing yeah. like a port post-mortem with players with some of some of our players, maybe maybe the the ones that are the, the least camera or at least uh, audio shy, and like uh, just have like players lament all together about the the good and the bad and the ugly of each one of the campaigns for sure. But John, anyway. you are you love criticism. I do, man. I, I thrive like on that's, criticism. Tell me what the reason you su- the reason you suggest that is because you ask for it after every session. Every session. just so you know if yeah. if. Yeah, in like a in an in person if if there's ever in person convention play again, be careful if you if you do get to uh, play at John's table, if you have an event immediately following, you're gonna be late. <laughs> That's not true. That is so true. Because it's it's, it's, so it's only slightly. It's only slightly true. You're not I gonna be really late. Leave. Just be a little late. I said, you can leave, go ahead and go. But what I really want is for you to tell me how much you hated this because it'll satisfy something deep within me that, you know, my own self-loathing. I don't know, you know. Yeah, very true. All right, Um, so let's leave it on a low note. Um, (laughs) Good. The only way to do it. John, Mike, (laughs) Troy, I appreciate you hanging out with me uh, on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, We may have to do it at this time more often because... uh, if we maybe we can get uh, some people that are aren't able to tune into the late night stream, maybe we, they can hop onto this one and mm-hmm. things like that. So, all right, but appreciate you guys listening uh, and and chatting with me. I appreciate all of you who hung out on Twitch for all this. That was great. Appreciate you all uh, saying hey, and thanks to all of our uh, podcast listeners for tuning in once again. And we'll see you next week. Have a good game, everybody. Thanks, thanks Mike. Everybody. Yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. No, no. You can get, you know, while you get away from that psychological block, get over your bullshit. Put your big boy pants on and you walk into a freaking Applebee's. That's right.